Good morning and welcome to the May 9th episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show, where we're on a mission to teach, learn, and remember the history of professional wrestling with everyone that wants to join us. My name is John, and on today's episode, we're talking about who did their best Ric Flair impersonation on this day in 1999. Nope, it's not Jay Lethal. That didn't happen for another 10 plus years, but trust me, we'll get to that one, I'm sure. I'm talking about something that happened during WCW's Slambury pay-per-view in St. Louis's TWA Dome in front of more than 20,000 fans way back in 1999. Midway through the evening, Strauss's sunrise fills the TWA Dome, but Ric Flair's very important match is not next on the card. In that match, which is part of the triple main event this evening, Flair will face Roddy Piper with the position of WCW president on the line. The Flair-Piper match arose when current President Flair had another of his memorable meltdowns and wound up in his silk Florida Gators boxers on live TV. Commissioner Piper then proceeded to have President Flair institutionalized, leading to weeks of vignettes that set the mental health industry back decades as we got a glimpse of Flair's stay at the local cuckoo's nest. Flair's other big confrontation during his tenure as president and just before his trip to the Looney Bin, involved Macho Man Randy Savage. Savage had returned to WCW in April after some time off. He had a new look and a new manager in Gorgeous George. Macho Man's first assignment was as the special referee in the Spring Stampede main event, where Diamond Dallas Page won the World Championship in a Four Corners match that also involved reigning champ Ric Flair, along with Hulk Hogan and Sting. Savage dropped a top-buckle elbow on Flair in the match, leading to DDP taking the title moments later. Savage then interfered a few times in the following weeks to make sure DDP retained that title, and the heat between Savage and Flair was no surprise. Flair began abusing his power and told Macho Man that he would make sure he was never fully reinstated, and sat at home collecting a check never to actually wrestle again for WCW. Charles Robinson then piped up and told Savage that after his performance in the figurative stripes, because of course Savage didn't actually wear them, he clearly wasn't qualified to referee any match, unlike Robinson himself. Little Nate then got a bit too big for his britches and asked why Savage even had his quote-unquote bimbo with him at ringside during that match. Gorgeous George was having none of that and slapped the taste out of Robinson's mouth, which gave Macho Man a great idea. His suggestion, quote, why don't I put my girl against your girl? And if my girl wins, I'm reinstated, end quote. Robinson was so infuriated at the insinuation that he immediately accepted, and President Flair booked it for slambery. Shortly after was that Flair meltdown that saw him spend some time away resting in a mental institution. But during his hospital stay, Flair would call Robinson to book matches and make decisions on Nitro and Thunder. Charles Robinson was truly becoming the little nature boy, and his style and mannerisms in Flair's stead were more and more Flair-like by the segment. And it was on this day in wrestling history, May 9th, 1999, that Charles Robinson got to live out a dream when he went full platinum blonde and walked the aisle to Ric Flair's music in a matching custom-made robe with Little Nature Boy bedazzled across the back, accompanied by Flair himself for a match with Macho Man's valet, Gorgeous George. Robinson had to look down. The tan was on point, 
and the strut was, well, close enough. Leading Bobby Heenan to quip from commentary, now you know what Ric Flair looked like when he was four years old. Gorgeous George and Randy Savage were accompanied to the ring by two other members of Team Madness, Miss Madness 1999, who we would come to know later as Molly Holly, and their trainer, Medusa. Robinson even got his moment on the mic as he told Gorgeous George that after she tapped to his figure four, he would scoop her off the canvas and she would get to ride Space Mountain all night long. Gigi, as the sequins spelled out across her bosom, was not thrown off her game in the least. She was all smiles throughout the pre-match proceedings and even well into the match. She showed off her training as she went from wrist lock to hammer lock to full Nelson to snapmare takeover and little Nate grew increasingly aggravated with every move. Robinson showed some of his best technique after rolling out for a strategy session on the floor with Flair. He grabbed a chair, but was disarmed by Miss Madness. In retaliation, Robin scooped up Miss Madness and performed a good-looking and safe body slam to the ringside safety mats. Back inside, Robinson takes some liberties and chokes Gorgeous George with the ring ropes a couple times. But Gigi fires back with some flair of her own, lighting up Little Nature's chest with a series of chops. Then a whip to the corner and a perfect upside down and out to the apron's edge by Robinson. Charles ducks a clothesline and makes it to the adjacent corner, climbs to the top, and does his absolute best flair yet by getting caught and unceremoniously dumped into the center of the ring. Robinson works the legs with a series of not-so-spinning toeholds, and even the flare pick up and drop across his own knee. Little Nate locks on the figure four, but Gorgeous George turns it over. The head nurse, who followed Flair home from the asylum, distracts the ref so Flair can slide in and turn the hold back over. But Savage tosses Flair from the ring, delivers a low blow and scoop slam to Robinson, allowing Gorgeous George to climb to the second buckle and hit a not terrible Savage elbow for the win. In an era where WCW was making lots of bad decisions, this was a very gimmicky segment that could have gone horribly wrong but definitely didn't. They probably didn't need ten and a half minutes of bell-to-bell -bell action, but I'll be damned if I wasn't entertained. Robinson would get back in the ring eight days later, this time teaming with Flair to take on Savage and Medusa. It was another losing effort, but if you watched the A&E special WWE's Most Wanted Treasures and saw the episode focusing on Ric Flair, you have to imagine that standing side-by-side -side with his childhood idol was just about the greatest time of Robinson's professional career. And as we saw on that episode, Charles still has his little nature boy robe proudly displayed in his Charlotte, North Carolina home. He has an original flare robe in his personal collection as well that he commented during the episode he planned to be buried in. According to cagematch.net, Robinson would go on to perform in five matches total, with his last being a 2008 loss to the great Kali. But as with many of the best things in life, I'm sure he'll never forget his first time, which happened on this day in wrestling history, May 9th, 1999, at WCW's 7th Annual Slamboree Pay-Per-View. Well, that's our show for today. The Daily Wrestling News Show is a Minutes to Bell Time production. Learn more at MinutesToBellTime.com. This episode was written by John DeConti. Subscribe to the Daily Wrestling News Show on your podcast player of choice, and join us in the Daily Wrestling News Show Facebook group.